Where are you from? I am from Homestead, Florida. And what's Homestead like? Homestead. Um, now or then? Um, Homestead, pretty much, if anyone doesn't know, is um, it's a, uh, let's say, a, a rural agricultural town um, outside Miami. So about 30, 45 minutes from Miami, right above the Keys, Key Largo, Key West. Um, so growing up there, that was actually, I was born in Miami, uh, Jackson Memorial, but grew yeah. up in Homestead. But uh, growing up there, it was real, really like agricultural town. A lot of fields, um, a lot of crops. Um, now, with everything in the world, is you know, so much building that's going on there. But um, So it used to be what the name said, a homestead, kind of like a little nook, a little uh, small town. Um, everyone knows everyone, but... Now it's uh, just like everything else. It's becoming a metropolitan area, which is good to a certain extent, but um, I miss the small town feel. Sure. I remember being from Northwest. Like, there was always, I won't say beef, it was a little bit of rivalry. The guys from the South Side, like, you know, with Laka and Hialeah. And then you get further down, you got like Cutler Ridge, Naranja, and all these other places. Like, oh, that's not Miami, but yeah. it's definitely <laughs> Miami Brothers. You know, we go over there, we want to be well received. Um, Where's your family from? <laughs> my family's actually from Haiti. So um, I'm actually first generation Haitian American, uh, but both of my parents are, are born in Haiti. They were born in um, Kaimit, or Glen Kaimit, um, which is Haiti, but it's actually an island off of Haiti. Um, so um, my dad's from Boma, or, or Prince Pistel, and my mother's from, same thing, Kaimit, uh, uh, Pistel. Um, so my dad's actually from Boma, and then once his like it's much like homestead florida city it's just like the same place like orlando uh okoye or something like that where it's like the same um city but small municipalities so. i've always found it really interesting how haitian creole still preserves so much africanness at the moment of accent and whatnot like um we have some people actually near the Wotanica that, you know, that we fraternize with that are of Haitian descent, great people. And, you know, you hear them speaking Creole to each other. Like, sometimes I have to take a double take. Like, it sounds like Yoruba. It sounds like, you know, um, a, a conversation that could be happening in Benin. Uh, I don't know. But it's just incredible how we've been able to preserve so much, you know, ethnicness in the moment of communication. Really motivated your parents to come over from Haiti, you know? I think with everyone, my parents actually came. In, uh, in the uh, 80s, early, as we were in the late 70s, early 80s, it was pretty much the migration period. Um, so my parents, they come from uh, what's called Undeo, which means the outside, the outskirts. Yeah. So they, um, uh, my, parent, my father's uh, side is uh, like fishermen. My oh. mother's side is more agriculturalists. Oh. Um, so they're pretty much, you know, uh, Haiti is the third world country, as we know. So it's just more to make a better life for themselves. You know, everyone was uh, migrating or immigrating at the time. So they, uh, I'm not going to say hopped on a bandwagon, but pretty much wanted to make a life for themselves. And it's specifically for us. Um, again, my parents came in 1981 and my eldest sister was born in 82. So all of my mother has eight children. My father has seven children and all the children are born here in the U.S. Wow. So definitely a calculated move, you know, yeah. thinking about you guys. Spiritually, what was your upbringing like? Like, what was the spirituality that was seen uh, in your home? Uh, it's, it's kind of funny to say that because uh, for the most part, we grew up Catholic. Um, mm -hmm. So Catholic or Roman Catholic. Um, but 
with all Haitians, everyone knows that um, he, to a certain extent, it was, um, if you want to say shunned or kind of not talked about, but it was very prevalent that like voodoo or voodoo is uh, all Haitians. We, we have that um, in us where it's practiced in Haiti, but um, because of the association in Haiti and or here in the U.S., kind of shunned upon. But for the most part, we all grew up Catholic. Yeah, publicly. It's the same thing, like, you know, with the Cuban um, demographic as well. You know, we're Catholic during the day and in the evening, you know, we're, we're, we're hollering in another language and, you know, probably a goat's going down a, a dark road, right? Um, what were some of the experiences that you saw as a young man as far as Wudung? You know, um, some of the things you can recollect or experiences that you had, whether it be within your home or maybe a friend's home or, you know, because just like Cuban people, Haitian people, a very tight-knit community. Uh, we trust each other, right? right? So, you know, what were some of the things you saw from voodoo aspect as a young man to be coming up? <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, to be honest, it wasn't uh, much as far as anything. As, uh, uh, for the part, um, there was this, um, let's say, kind of like a taboo when it comes to it. Like, these aren't things that we speak about. Um, and to be honest, unfortunately, the reason why it's, uh, it's had a bad... Um, name is because a lot of the times when you saw it it was being used negatively yeah so instead of the positive aspects it was more used for this this negative the the, the darker side yeah of maybe getting a boyfriend back maybe killing another <laughs> business owner Revenge you on know someone yeah you know like people have their sense. goals and you know it's up to the professional what services they want to provide or not and not everybody has the best goals mm. um and that's why you know guidance is important you know what I'm saying? That that conversation of knowing what these things should be used for because if they can cause so much negativity, they can cause a lot of positivity exactly. as well, right? Exactly. So um, what were your first experiences in Ifa? <clears throat> um, it's funny because uh, a ex um, as well as uh, my elder sister, they played a big part. Of it. But being from Homestead, um, it's, it's funny because uh, Ifa or Santa Raya is, is very prevalent there. Uh, we may not have necessarily uh, spoken about it, but I, I grew up, I have a friend that's Nicaraguan, uh, Nicaraguense, Puerto Rican, a lot of friends that are Cuban, obviously being from Homestead, where it was seen, it was uh, kind of talked about um, um, quietly. Um, so it was something that I was familiar with, but it just wasn't vocalized. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't really until... Um, I guess more so in my adulthood, once I started kind of questioning my lineage, it's kind of, uh, if I am to be honest, um, I, I truly believe in uh, asking it is given. The question that I had was, because um, I see when it comes to spirituality, um, as far as Hinduism, Buddhism, um, Native American uh, traditions, and I kind of just asked God, universe, all of the Mars source, I'm like, man, where are the, uh, where are the black gods? Yeah, you know, it's like, hey, there are so many different faces, even when it comes to Hinduism of these different gods. But I never really saw anyone that kind of resembled myself. Sure, sure. So that's when I asked the question, and then there you go. I, you know, came into my uh, my awareness. And that I, I tell you, as a young man, I think one of the most like inspirational moments of my youth was where I had a, uh, I you know, history's always been my thing, literature, mathematically and scientifically, very limited, to be frank with you, maybe because I'm not that interested in it. But I actually took AP history um, in high school, and I had a, uh, a professor 
um, who actually put a piece of literature in front of me that really moved me in a way that I haven't felt until I started reading Ifa. It was actually a journal. It was a slave journal um, of various accounts of people who had been through torment, oppression, escaped, some caught. And um, to be frank with you, it made me so emotional, it made me tear because you looked at what these people were going through or what they were surviving and what they were willing to go back into to be able to save others, right? So it, I don't know what it awakened there. But, you know, I, I always remember, and this always bothered me, um, especially in middle school, you know, the only time we're really talking about black history is in a moment that isn't convenient or isn't glorifying black right. history, right? When we're looking at slavery or, you know, hey, Dr. Martin Luther King was a great man, but look how he ended. And even as I looked, I said, you know, why aren't these, why isn't this demographic glorified, especially with people like Marcus Garland, Matt, um, Mark. And then to know that there is Africa, to know that there is culture, to know people like Mansa Musa existed for the Mali or that Orumila existed for the Yoruba and all these amazing men and women, you know, you look at even things like, uh, you know, the, the, the recent movie where the women are warriors from Benin. Forgive me, the name escapes. Exactly. In the, uh, the queen. Queen. Correct. Queen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you look at all these amazing expressions of um, just, you know, just humanity. Mm. Um, and, and it always really hurt and bothered me that it wasn't being portrayed to especially people of a darker skin tone. You know, that it's very important to see people that look like you, especially as a young human being, you know, succeeding. And, you know, as minorities, we don't always get that. It's always, you know, sometimes them being shown in a, in a compromising position, you know, so I, I get it. Um, so what, at what point after realizing Ifa exists, you know, being around certain types of people, do you come to the conclusion, hey, I want to move forward with initiation? You know, what was that moment? Um, I guess I could say it's just kind of doing some study. Um, I was kind of going back and forth as far as uh, once I got out in the military, I went from um, – North Carolina to Hawaii to California, back to Florida, back to California. Um, and just kind of doing study on my own. And just at some point in time, to be honest, it was more so the, uh, the destiny aspect. Because for so long, I know I had this inclination in me that I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm here for a reason. Kind of like, all right, there's something that this one has come here to uh, to experience, to express, to be of service, something in, in that nature. Um, and at some point in time, I was like, all right, hey, I know that um, getting Hanavifa or Marunla, uh, I was like, all right, this will reveal your destiny to you. So this is something that I definitely wanted to kind of, I had the, the inclination that I'm here to not only say something great, we're all greatness in itself, sure. but this one, I don't want to know what that was. Um, so I did um, in 2019, or 2021, uh, <laughs> is when I was um, uh, initiated into IFA um, in, in New York, in the Bronx, with, um, I'm not sure, Baba IFA Kunle. Yeah, 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 um, respect, you know, yeah. You know, so, and that was interesting, to say the least. And you had some great information revealed there as well. You know, what, um, did you know? have this feeling that you were a son of Shango after learning about that archetype or you know what did you feel once it was revealed you know to be honest it was kind of a back and forth uh part of it was I either thought is either Shango or Obatala 
Nice. Reason being is because Shango, I, I, I was in the military. Um, I did uh, nine and a half, nine years, four months. We're around. Thank you. Nine and a half years. Thank you. Um, in the Marine Corps. Um, so that warrior aspect, as well as being from, from Homestead, um, some people don't know this, that growing up, we, we fought a lot. There was nothing else to do. <laughs> really not much else to do. Like, you yeah. know. It's funny, though, because when I mention this to people at times where, like, hey, there was this big uh, Haitian and African-American um, battle going on. Most people wouldn't um, imagine that, and ironically. It's, it's, yeah. it's so funny because I miss it to so many people, and they're like, oh, you guys are all black, or yeah. you this. And I'm like, hey, man, we, you know, whether it be, it's because we're immigrants and, you know, just different um, experiences in life. So uh, and then, of course, joining the military. So part of me was like, okay, uh, I know that the, the warrior aspect is within me. Um, but I also know that I was always one who sought peace. And, of course, so uh, Obatala uh, being the chief or king of the white cloth and just the coolness and the peace. And just so that aspect of me was like, hey, I know this is also a side of me. So I didn't know which. The duality. One, no. Um, no, but definitely, I mean, you look at the sons of Shango and there, there has to be that duality, you know, because when you have so much power, when you have so much talent, um, where do you find the self-control? Where do you find the orientation? And that's why Obatala gave him the white bead in various signs. You know, some say Osameji, some say Obebara, but it was so that Shango could receive that inheritance from his father, um, that, that, that calm, to be able to be in a place where you can make decisions without emotion, without fury. You know, um, how has your experience been with him? You know, from the revelation till now, finding yourself within that energy, you know, being that, you know, there is that complexity where you have this potential, but at the same time, you're always trying to find ways to mitigate it so that it, it works productively. Uh, to be honest, I'm still in the place of, I guess, finding that balance, yeah. um, just because it's a lot when it comes to the energy as a, as a whole, um, just because, uh, I know that I do have uh, <clears throat> this, I don't want to call it anger, but it's a fury within me. Um, but at the same time, uh, anyone that knows me knows that I um, am always seeking to the, the, the peace aspect of things. Just kind of, if it doesn't have to uh, uh, escalate, then, uh, you know, bring it out. So pretty much... Um, that is something that, um, I'm still in the midst of, um, I don't want to say figuring out, but, you know. Yeah, finding. Finding. Well, we're, we're always in that process, whether we're hand to be far, whether we've become Babalawo or not. Like, we're always, there's always something to learn about ourselves, and that's a lifetime experience, you know. But um, Shango is a fabulous energy, you know, and I've noticed with his children, the finding process does take time. Because, like I said, so much talent, so much potential, so much, you know, ambition. Um, it's easy to get lost in that as, as far as finding out what am I going to do for this next influential chapter in my life. Because that was actually a really scary thing for him. Where you go from a, a gentleman that was basically, you know, from the age of birth to about 10, he was spoiled rotten, right? He was the soon-to-be king. And then from 10 to 20, he got into a bunch of trouble, right? You know, and then from 20 to 30, oh my God, I'm king now. Then 30 to 40, I've been king for a while, but now I'm still king, but now I got to fix what I've done up until this point. So, and then ultimately 50 and beyond, he became the elegant manifestation that he is ultimately remembered as, you know?
Now, one thing I really want to delve in with you is the military. What really motivated you towards uh, serving this country? Uh, it's kind of uh, a few different things. One, um, if you look at it in a good or bad way, I kind of uh, bought into the, um, the propaganda. Sure. Um, obviously, you know, we all are familiar with 9-11, so pretty yeah. much everything that was being told was these people came here attacked our country so we got to go defend ourselves how old were you when um, you got in? i joined literally a week after i turned 19. Wow. so uh, my birthday is uh 3 october and i joined 10 october 2006. Wow. um so literally one week um <clears throat> also i had a few friends and a family members who joined the military uh some joined the army some joined the uh the marine corps and i don't want to sound uh uh, <laughs> but part of it was like, hey, I know that if I'm going to do something, let's be the best of the best. Everybody sure. Sees the commercials. Yeah. Um, as well as Marine Corps has a sec pretty sexy uniform. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so um, pretty much that as well as uh, I was a real smart kid in school, um, but I also knew that I was smart enough to know how much I had to do to get by. Sure. So upon getting out of school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Yeah. So... I didn't really see myself going to college uh, to a certain extent. And I had um, I had a cousin join the Marine Corps, a family friend, and then my childhood friend, who I know ever since um, fourth grade. And he, it was funny because uh, I've known he's a Puerto Rican guy. And again, we've, we did everything together. But when he came back from boot camp, because he was on home on boot leave, he just had this this energy about him, like some type of, you know, just this poise and just this. And I was like, I want that. Yeah. I don't know what it was. And I know this guy ever since we we're in fourth grade, but whatever that, that stoicness that he Presence. had, I was like, I want that. And literally I think, uh, that was September. So the end of August. So I talked to the, um, recruiter. I depth in September and October I was gone. So it's really to one, get out of homestead. Cause I didn't really know how, if I wanted to go to college as well as having friends and family who were in the military, I feel like, all right, Hey, this is, uh, um, as well as all the other benefits that come with this scene the world, yeah. um, you know, educational benefits and the whole nine. In that regard, it is a great option because you look at places like, like where we're from in Miami, it gets to a point, especially after high school is like, what are we going to do? You know, cause the same way we have friends that went into the military and did something productive, you also have people who had too much free time on their hands and did something completely left, right? And you see where that ends up. So in that aspect, super positive. Um, so what are the first steps there? Like once you sign up and you say you're gone or you're shipped out, where are you going? Uh, so you go to boot camp. So there's two different boot camps. There's a West Coast and the East Coast. <laughs> Obviously, we're from the East Coast. So it's Paris Island, South Carolina. Oh, wow. On the West Coast is uh, San Diego, MCRD, uh, San Diego. So I went to Paris Island. Um, so it's three months, 13 weeks of boot camp. Um, and then after that, then um, if you're a non-combat uh, MOS, which is military occupational specialty, you'll go to MCT, which is Marine Combat Training. Or and if you're a uh, combat uh, MOS, um, you go to SOI, which is School of Infantry. So I'm a non-combat. So after school, I went to MCT. MCT, MCT at the time was about two or three weeks. Um, and then I came home for a break. And then you go to school. So my school was at uh, Camp Johnson, uh, North Carolina, right outside of um, Camp Lejeune. Um, so my school was about, at the time, I would say six, seven weeks. Um, and after that, came home for like boot leave and then I went to, uh, we call it the fleet. So our first duty station, which mine was uh, Marine Corps Air Station. 
in Miramar in uh, San Diego, California. So you're 19 years old. <laughs> you're, uh, you know, what's that first day of boot camp like? Like you're, you know, you're, you're green. You're getting there. Um, what was that experience? Uh, we've watched enough movies. Um, so you kind of. <laughs> That's you, a certain extent. Like you, 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 you know that, um, you're going to get yelled at, you know, this it's, it's meant to kind of like, um, uh, it's pretty much the psychology to break you down, to build you back up. Yeah. Um, but it is a lot of, uh, anticipation reason being is cause I think we left, um, early morning, three, four in the morning. And then when you get there, so you're, you're not sleeping, you get to boot camp, Um, and the drill instructor gets on the bus, your head's down between your, your legs and he, uh, they come up, they start yelling. They're like, Hey, when you get out, you're going to go on yellow footprints. So they give you all these directions and you get out and then the bus takes off. And it's just like, it's just kind of like a surreal moment where you're just like, Oh snap. Like the bus is gone. Uh, there, this is it. Um, so it's pretty much a lot of, um, most of what they teach you is, is as far as like discipline, their definition of it is instant obedience to orders. So that's the main thing is pretty much breaking you down as far as like this individual, this whoever you thought you were so that we can build you into the person that or the being that we need you to be. And again, instant obedience to orders. You realize later on how important that is specifically when it comes to um, it's really war. You Life know, and death, yeah. You know, not not and me being a civilian i can only imagine just on other aspects of life i've been in you know a missed order yeah. or a lack of calculation could cost a life exactly. you know so that 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 makes a lot of sense now let's talk about deployment you know where where were you first sent uh my first uh deployment i've had two uh two major deployments one was um i went to iraq it's, it's funny because by let's call him my brother-in-law yeah he uh he he convinced me to join he was just like oh man you're not gonna deploy you know like hey it's a chill be around women you know and i get to the fleet and the next day after i get to the fleet i get there in april um 2007 so they tell me january 2008 you're going to iraq for a year so i'm just like what like literally the day after i get there so my first deployment was um to uh, Al-Assad, um, Iraq, so January 08 to January 09. While there, we did some uh, security details. I did a security detail in uh, Mudaisis, which is a, um, it was a airfield, so on a FOB, which is a fort operating base. Um, so yeah, my first deployment was, was Iraq. So you're on a plane, I would imagine, to get over there, right? Yeah, yeah. How many hours is that flight? Man, I, we flew from San Diego to Maine, Maine to Germany, Germany to Kuwait, Kuwait to Iraq. It's like one couple it days. Like 20, or... yeah, it was because uh, from San Diego to Maine was like, I think, six, eight hours. And then uh, Maine to Germany was another like six, eight hours. And then this isn't on JetBlue. This is a military aircraft, Yeah, this right? is a military aircraft. So oh, God. The, 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 train, the, the plane is specifically for us. So, yeah. yeah, pretty much you sleep so much, you wrestle so much that you like, you get antsy. You got to yeah. stretch your legs. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it pretty much took... Um, yeah, over 24 hours to get there with, with the with the stops. But literally, it was um, um, yeah. Uh, again, San Diego to Maine, Maine to Germany, Germany Kuwait, Kuwait to Iraq. So when you get off that plane, what's Iraq like? <laughs> like for those who haven't been there, like what's the first impression you're getting? What's the temperature like? Like what's going through your mind? It's funny because 
Um, again, I got there in January, oh, wait. And if anyone thinks about Iraq, you think about heat. Everyone yeah. talks about the desert and how hot it is. But it's funny because our advance party went about two or three weeks prior to us. And I remember one of our sergeants, he uh, either sent us a picture or he told us that, hey, it was snowing or something. And then for us who had never gone, yeah. we were like, what the hell? All you, yeah. all you hear is the heat. Yeah. So when we got there in January, it was actually cold. It's mountainous, I would imagine, the part you guys might have been in, yeah. Exactly, as well as uh, just, just being a desert. So, um, so when we got there, it was actually about maybe like 30, 40 degrees. Wow. Um, so it was, it, was, it was a good, um, it was crazy to see you get in there at 20, 30, 40 degrees all the way into the hundreds when it gets to summertime and then leaving when it's cold again. And it was funny because the, the next week or the second week that we were there, it actually snowed. And it was funny because on the way there, when we got to, uh, to Germany, um, I saw snow, but it was on the ground. So the first time that I actually saw snow falling from the sky was in Iraq. Yeah, it's so a Miami life, right? We've never, <laughs> never seen snow. You see a snow cone, you know, Santa's enchanted forest. You see the bubbles coming out the sky. But So what are the interactions with the natives like or the people there? You know, how are you being received? You know, how, what are you seeing? Because, you know, like you said, the propaganda, right? We're hearing that not only have we been attacked, but you know people are being mistreated over there like what are you actually seeing on the ground uh to be honest it wasn't i i can only speak from my experience because i'll see the uh the other guys that are actually doing a raising and whatnot they had different experience so from us like for example when i did the uh, security detail uh, for the most part uh we had like uh third part uh third what's called third party nationals who worked on a base they're pretty nice people um when we were on the fob we had he used to do uh, security, de um, uh, we call them like fives and 25s, where we had to uh, pretty much um, survey our area. Um, it was around the base, so wherever you guys are. Correct, okay. around, the, around the fob. So you're securing that, okay. Right. So our interaction with the people, they were actually not what you expected. From the propaganda, you expected like, all right, everyone's trying to- Hostility, uh, or everybody's trying to kill right. us. But then you would see like the little kids, they're out there playing soccer, like with no shoes on, and yeah. just kind of like, mothers watching their kids and anytime we would come up they would uh always just like you know we used to give them like water and like sure. some, some some stuff from our mre so they always kind of came up to us in a uh in a in a, in a joyous sense but it definitely wasn't the everyone's trying to murder you thing you you kind of saw that like hey um that might have been true with these um you know if you want to call them insurgents or if you want to call them radicals uh, but generally it was just like you saw that like Hey, these are people just like you just I, trying to live. Honestly, you know, what's some of the most hectic stuff you saw over there? Um, we all are um, hesitant to speak about some of the stuff yeah. that we've, uh, we've seen, but uh, for the most part, um, during the uh, again during the security detail in certain parts, it's just as far as uh, just really us being fired upon. We had, we had these things called an IDF, so it's indirect fire. So where you're on the base, on a FOB, and they're actually using mortars to, you know, throw or to lob um, explosives explosives into the camp. Uh, into the camp. <clears throat> I remember one one morning where our shifts were, we, we had 12-hour shifts, 12 on, 12 off. So from uh, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. and then 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. I remember... Out of the, the overnight shifts from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. and we get off and you get out, you know, take everything down. You're just laying there, and then the alarm goes off. So now you live.
literally just off a 12 hour shift and you're like disoriented and you're literally getting up to put on your boots, your flag. So the alarm means everybody's ready to go. Right. Yeah, no matter then, what. You know, so it's either, and it's funny, so um, we're thinking it's, it's IDF. Um, so you get up, you put on your flag, like literally put on your boots and we run outside. And for us at that time, this is, sorry, this is just like a side note. Somebody jumped the berm and the berm is pretty much like a, a, um, a mound of dirt so that um, they, they, it pretty much acts as a protective shield. Yeah. Um, so somebody jumped the berm. So that's why the alarm went off. So as far as just um, the craziest things, it's just, you know, um, the, the normal, I don't want to say normal, but like that which you don't necessarily want to speak of. Yeah. Um, I will say one thing that kind of, uh, was deep um, is more so the uh, so one thing that we had um, the things called attack um, and we would have uh, it's called River City so pretty much anytime anything happened or someone lost a life where um, we're going to River City where there's no communication um, so anything everything is sent out through sipper which is our, our seek, um, secret um, uh, line, but other than that, you can't call in, can't call out. So you would have days where you went out um, and you pretty much couldn't speak until it's been reported back to the states. Um, I, I, I kind of keep it there. Yeah. No, definitely. You know, it's just things that uh, that stay with you, right? Um, what was it like coming home? You know, reassimilating society and and life, and you know, maybe having a cheeseburger. You know, what's the first thing you did? You know. It's funny because don't 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 think I'm a creep, man. I remember <laughs> I remember coming back and going to uh, Target, and I um, I was in in the uh, either in line or in a in an aisle, and there's a woman in front of me, and she smells so good. So I was <laughs> literally like, not trying to be a creep by any means, but no, like, I mean you've been deprived. <laughs> you know, it's a hard life. It's a, you're in a you year know? in the, in the desert. <laughs> in the winter in the mountains with all your brothers and you know so it's just funny man because yeah. we i literally was like like smelling women where it's just like man this is how like this is life yeah like you know just the the smelling that but honestly the first thing we we i remember as we were landing uh my, my unit there's a few of us and it was from the uh the cat Williams special nice so it immediately once the plane landed we're like tonight we're getting fucked up, <laughs> you know so i found that to be very funny but yes upon getting back everyone just really just wanted to kind of like just um obviously you know kind of have some drinks kind of yeah kinda unwind like yeah a lot of people of course who had families I, I was single at the time no kids not married or anything um so it was just us who lived wow. in the barracks um and uh, some of the people who had families invited us over for a you know family meal, but beautiful. Um, just kind of just you know, just, uh, just happy to be back. I tell you, um, not to it might not be the best comparison, but I, I do notice some common points. There is it reminds me of conversations I've had with brothers who are getting out of prison. You know, the first time they're around a woman again, the first time they're using a cell phone, the first time they're opening a Facebook account. To be frank with you, you know, for a lot of them, it's traumatic. So, um, you know, when you look at what you guys go through over there, um, even though it's with a foreign entity, you know, you look at what brothers are going in or going, going through inside, you know, it, it's a microcosm of war, 
you know, one of the most stressful environments, you know, especially with the loss of identity. Right. A lot of common themes. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned in the beginning the propaganda. Um, what do you think the military could improve on without necessarily critiquing them? But, you know, what are some things that you, as somebody who gave a decade of your life to an institution um, and are now, you know, leading a civilian life, what are, what are some things that you'd like to see as an expat? I think that's a complex question. <clears throat> but all in all, I will say that we all understand that um, for every nation, um, we have borders that we have to protect. So we live in a time of war where um, it's the person with the bigger stick, you know, who... Yeah. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> you yeah. know, who pretty much, um, you know, rules or controls things. Um, I do think to a certain extent it is a, um, it is a great institution for... Um, just building you up as a person, yeah. man or a woman, um, teaches you self-discipline, um, master, camaraderie, brotherhood, sisterhood. Um, clearly, there are so many benefits that come from it. Um, so I will say um, they do help you as far as the transitional period. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I've seen that a lot of people struggle with is PTSD. Yeah. So, so Post-traumatic stress disorder for those, yeah. yeah. Oh no, thank you. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people who have, and it's not just PTSD specifically from war, but it's from just everything that you've witnessed and yeah. everything that, as far as like being away from family, so many people have PTSD that are civilians. So this yeah. is not just a military thing, sure. But just um, as for that, back in society, one of the biggest things is just the vernacular that we use. Obviously, we speak a certain way. The the way we carry ourselves, always kind of like having to know what an exit is and not wanting people to sit behind you. So yeah. some of those aspects as far as just the integration of becoming a civilian again, um, I think that they, they do a certain a good good job. Uh, we do have our benefits and as far as, um, you know, the VA health benefits. Um, but I will say maybe the transition, um, especially specifically when it comes to uh, brotherhood. So I'll, I'll say for me, for example, I, I still kept a close relationship with my family, but the military, those became my brothers. Yeah. Because again, 19 years old, that's who I spent all my time with. So yeah. now leaving that uh, that atmosphere where it's like, no matter where it is that I go, because I was stationed in, in uh, San Diego, I was stationed in Japan, I was stationed in North Carolina, I always had brothers with me. So now the military guys became really a family. So upon getting out, now, my friends are still friends. We grew up together. I still love them. But you kind of feel uh, a little lost because you're Detached. Don't... Exactly. Detached as well as the identity, especially with the Marine Corps, because they teach you once a Marine, always a Marine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they, they that becomes your identity. So now when you leave that, you no longer have that identity. You kind of do go through a, uh, let's say, like a dark night of the soul, dark night of the soul as you're trying to remember figure out oh, who, who am i now now that right. i no longer have this title or i'm no longer in this capacity as a, a military service member who am i what, what do i do what is my life worth and then now trying to find a certain um something to, to fill that cup as well as finding a way to be of service because we're we're you know like service is is is, is embedded into what we're here to do it's incredible Thank you once again before we move on to the next thing, brother. Like, um, you've experienced a lot of different spiritual processes. You know, which, which ones do you want to touch on? Because, you know, you are, you are an indecipherable man. <laughs> you know, you really are. You know, we go from 
so, such, and that's why I really wanted you on here because you are complex in all the positive ways. We go from the military, humble beginnings, spiritual awakening. You know, what are some of the spiritual process, like awakenings or like paths that you've gone down and some of the experiences you've had within them? I guess I'll touch on a few things. One, I guess I'll, I'll speak about like psychedelics in general. I know that's something that's very popular. Yeah, right yeah. Now. A lot of a people lot are trying people. to delve because they're seeing the benefits, the opening up. You know, you're hearing, you're seeing Mike Tyson. Mike, we'd love to have you on, by the way. Um, you know, things like DMT, ayahuasca, Joe Rogan with the shrooms. Come on, Joe. You know, um, what have you been able to delve into? Uh, first, I'll, I'll say um, prior to getting into, let's say, psychedelics, actually, uh, I'm taking a break right now, um, but even cannabis. Um, I remember I, I took a, uh, it's called a Psychedelic Sitter School from a, a, a course, a school's uh, Center for Medicinal Mindfulness in uh, Boulder, Colorado, where teach you how to guide people through psychedelic experiences. Wow. Um, but even using cannabis, because they, they teach you, uh, I forgot his name, Daniel, I forgot his last name. He has a book, it's called uh, psychedelic cannabis and he shows you that actually mixing uh, certain strains of of cannabis can actually induce or invoke a psychedelic experience wow. um so i will say cannabis is something that clearly we see that um there's so many applications that are being used especially um even oils saving oil, lives yeah you know um so that's, that's just one thing that i know we're at a weird place right now in society where um there are benefits, but it's still considered a uh, class A drug. New York, to add, I just got back from New York and I was in Manhattan. First time, you know, I've ever stayed in Times Square. And I had a little bit of a panic attack, to be honest with you, because when I walked outside, I saw these two young guys. And mind you, they had spliffs like this long. Like, I've, I haven't seen something like that since the Sean Paul video. <laughs> and then, like, three steps down are like these two cops. Mm. So I know people that did time for, you know, yeah. for herb, right? And, um, you know, I'm having, like, an attack. I'm like, yo, these guys are going to get yoked up, yeah. anything like that. Like, the cops couldn't have been more disinterested in what they were doing. Yeah. So it's just incredible to see the strides of society and also with the benefits. Um, and even the concept that Orumila consumed, you know, yeah. and all the benefits he got from it, you know. Um, how, how does it feel to know that, you know, within the spirituality that you're dedicating a lot of time to, the prophet, the main guy, you know, um, consumed? You know, what, 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 how does that come for you? How does that resonate with you? Uh, it makes me feel good. Reason being is because a lot of people um, have a, a certain perception of cannabis and, you know, um, whatever, psychedelics. Um, so to, to hear that is like, okay, because people that smoke, I'm not trying to say, not everyone should smoke. There are people who it, it does induce it's um, adverse yeah you know there are some adverse effects whether it's um you have um you're pre uh, disposed to having schizophrenia or just anxiety a lot of people get um, paranoid yeah so I'm not saying i'm not condoning it for for everyone but to hear that because a lot of us who do smoke understand that like oh hey this it, it, it raises your consciousness and or just an altered state of consciousness so it gives you the ability to kind of Realize that, like, hey, this everyday consciousness that we um, walk in is this is not the only thing. And so many people say that, like, as far as besides the medical benefits, just being able to to connect and communicate, lower your guard, um, and to me, just just the the expansion of consciousness as, as a whole. So to hear sorry, that uh, uh smoke, uh, it makes me feel like, okay, cool. Um, for example, even Bob Marley, where 
and the Rastas, where they've shown like, hey, this is not a quote unquote drug. This is a plant. This is a herb that grows from the earth. Yeah. So why is it banned or it's stigmatized? Exactly, yeah. You know. Yeah. No. And the Rasta brothers are really, you know, they've enlightened a lot of people on that. So, and another thing before we delve further into the psychedelics was. I was recently watching um, Joe Rogan short, and he was saying, because a lot of people are talking about these more intense things like the ayahuasca and whatnot, but he said there might be nothing more intense than certain psychedelic strands of cannabis and being in a water tank. Oh, <clears throat> it's funny because I guess we'll... I remember when I was in California, when I was staying in San Diego, I went to a, uh, because of Joe Rogan, yeah. I went to a, a float tank, and I had this experience, this may be a little woo-woo, um, where, um, so I had two different experiences. One was without cannabis and one was with, and, um, and you go into a float tank, you know, you're there. Um, they have a little switch where you can turn on like the little star lights or just have it completely dark. And the beauty in that is while you're immersed in the, uh, the substance, I think it was mercury or Epsom salt. It pretty much makes you float. So in, in, in that experience, you, um, there, the, the, you, you no longer have a body. Things for us is so much we identify with this body, but if you're in that space where there is no body, I've gone to I've gone to a, a few silent meditation retreats, and I meditate myself. So being able to be in that atmosphere where you don't have a body, your mind's running, but at some point in time, it kind of quiets down. So then you have this experience of nothingness, and Wonderful. not in a sense of like, oh my god, but just like. No thought, no body, just consciousness or beingness in itself. Wow. Um, and I know that uh, even with the cannabis, um, it kind of, I don't want to say in induced it a little more, but having that experience where there is no light, so now you're... Facilitated it. Ex exactly. Um, so even with your third eye where you... I, I remember just having this one, I'll I just share this, where... It was, it was just silence. No yeah. thought, no, like, just being, nobody, any, nothing at all. Just pure being. And then I had a thought, and the thought was either, uh, I either said, what if, or I was like, I wonder. And in that moment, it was like the universe came into existence. Because while I was there, there I was just being. There was no thought, no yesterday, tomorrow, nobody, nor anything. But once I had the thought, I wonder, or what if, it let me know that, like, oh, this is the the power of the mind where you are God as it, as it is, and just your thought of something outside of yourself is what creates the Big Bang. You know, it's really incredible. I'm telling you, yeah, yeah, because you have to think the universe was a thought, right? Originally, I'm telling, and that's you. just off of cannabis. Good <laughs> lord. So, what about the other ones that you've delved into? You know, it's funny. I would say uh, when it comes to um, ayahuasca. Again, um, it's 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 one of those experiences where, again, to each his own. Um, clearly, there uh, you do a diet prior to. Um, there's a prep. Yes, there's a preparation as far as um, pretty much so that the medicine um, can um, assimilate more into the body. Anyone that's done ayahuasca, they understand that we have um, a lot of things within our body that has been compartmentalized and or forgotten. So a lot of the diseases that we have um, or uh, illnesses are thoughts that we have pretty much put into a box. So it allows you to release a lot of these things. So when it comes to purging, there's so, so much different purging. So there's throwing up. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to throw up, but throwing up and yawning, 
screaming, crying, coming out the back end, um, shaking where you have uh, energy that's trapped in a body that just needs to be released. And um, so that, that was a life altering experience. And again, um, I would say anyone, make sure you do your research before, you know, don't just take my word. But the one thing I will say and how it relates to Ifa is I remember my, I think it was the first night I got to a place where um, I was having this experience where I was having my hands and my hands were rubbing together like this. And the message was, use your hands to help people heal. I don't understand what that meant. And it was just, it just took, but it took up to two years where I'm just like, man, what does this mean? But it wasn't until that I got initiated into Ifa and then I received my hand over Mumla. I realized the importance of the hands, yeah. You know, but even that with the E-King, it wasn't until I was actually, you know, using the E-King and doing this when I was just like, wow. this is exactly what Ayahuasca was talking about. But it took two years yeah. for me to get that message. But yeah. it was literally the same exact motion with rubbing the E-King together. So Incredible. it was one of those experiences where uh, we, we already know you, like, it's just, but it took two years for me to understand, like, man, what is the message? The alignment for, exactly. for, for the subconscious and Ori and destiny and all these things to align at that moment where it's like, wow. Yes. You know, and that's why you have to have a lot of patience and a lot of belief in what you're doing because every experience that you go through, secular, non, um, is going to lead you towards where you're meant to be and it's going to teach you something before actually getting there. Um, what about the shrooms? Oh, man. Uh, to a certain extent, you could say is uh, it's they say it as far as like uh, plant spirit or plant spirit and medicine. Each medicine uh, has its own essence or its own spirit. Um, I'll say mushrooms is similar. Um, anyone that's done mushrooms, um, the one thing I love about it, or a few different things, just just that where um, clearly there are different doses. Um, people speak between like three point five five grams or above like a heroic dose, and that is what really induces a mystical experience. Clearly, we know there are so many studies that are being done as far as, like, micro-dosing. Um, but mushrooms was... Um, I, was I don't want to say similar to um, uh, ayahuasca, but this is it's, it's the same to a certain extent. I don't... It's only one consciousness, but the same uh, experience. I... It's just at the end of the day, it's just the biggest thing I got from it was realizing that you're not the body, you know, that you're not the mind. Where you get into a place where you understand that you are consciousness, or you are a soul or a spirit having a human experience. That this experience is here to teach you love and compassion and self mastery and just um, all of these um, different aspects of the creator um and one of the big things I, I i got was um was just specifically being in the experience and being the the witness and realize it, it was a it was a third exactly so i was aware that my consciousness is here or consciousness is here so let's just say i am here but then also i am there but then 
also being a consciousness here and then realizing that, oh, hey, it is ultimately one consciousness, but expressing itself here and expressing itself there and whatever the plant, the um, uh, ant, uh, whatever the case may be, but understanding that we're all one. We're all extensions I, of each other. Exactly. We're all, yeah, we're within, without, and around. Exactly. And I know that sounds like all woo-woo or like hippie, like, oh, we're yeah. all one, but clearly really realizing that like, hey, the same energy, the same essence, the same presence that's here, it's, it's, it's over there as well. Um, and for me, it was, to me, that ties in directly with like yoga, because one of the things where when you, when you bow and you say namaste, um, it's recognizing like the light within me the sun, the, the, the Christ within me recognizes, honors, and loves the same light that is within you. So understanding that there is a difference. Expression, but it is the same light. So uh, the mushroom experience helped me to realize the, the, the essence of something like namaste. You know? And again, this is something that is, is experiential, so it's not just words. And that's really the concept of ori. Because when you look at ori, within five, third eye, consciousness, higher being, etc., the divine aspect of who we are, it is communal to a certain degree because even within this conversation, mine is facing towards yours, um, belly buttons, toes, you know what I'm saying? And then we have this other thing called ori de, which is the ori that is outside, right? Which is represented by the icon, but most people focus on the icon when in reality it's speaking about this experience of recognition between two sentient beings. Right. Like you said, whether it's a blade of grass, an ant, or ourselves. What, what, what was yoga like for you, you know, getting into it, you know? It's funny because with yoga, I started to get, because uh, I've had shoulder surgery on my left shoulder. I had a bilateral labrum tear and a slap tear on my right shoulder and a torn bicep tendon. None sound um, fun. <laughs> uh, even uh, I had like a, um, a few different um, I had flat feet. Um, so plantar fasciitis. Um, uh, so it's just a few different things within the body. So I realized, like, hey, this body may not last. Yeah, we're as, not the bionic man. You, <laughs> you know, know? What I'm yeah. So I, I, I told myself, like, all right, hey, I got to find a way to, quote, unquote, elevate my consciousness or to create some separation with the body. So that's kind of how I got into yoga. It's funny because I didn't start yoga until 2017 when I moved back from California. But anyone and everyone knows yoga is really big out there. But at the time, I, I felt a little too uh, masculine sure. to do to, yoga. To do the crouching dog. <laughs> you know, like Gotta do dog the crouching or, dog, yo. Uh, happy baby. Jeez. So <laughs> a part of these, I was just like, all right. It wasn't until I moved back. Um, and I actually started with this, uh, this a yoga teacher named uh, Raganoff on, uh, on a website called Do You Yoga. So it's a 30-day yoga challenge. I did it for 30 days. And I felt like, oh, hey, I like this. Did it for another 30 days. Did it for another 30 days. Wasn't until my girlfriend at the time we kind of got into an argument on like a Friday, and she had been trying to convince me to go to an actual yoga class in person, and I was like, I'm not going. So many women, the whole nine. <laughs> but because uh, I just kind of wanted to do something after you know the argument, so and uh, I was in Homestead at the time, so there was a, a free yoga class and in Kendall at nice. the Kendall Pavilion, um, and I went, and it was so funny because there were. The, the instructor, like 30 women, I was literally the only guy. Her nice. boyfriend was there. He was, like, recording, taking uh, pictures. Nice. But I was the only guy. But the experience was, I, I, it, it was great. And then from that moment on, I was like, you know what? I fell in love with yoga. <laughs> um, and in Homestead, there is a, a yoga studio called Homestead Yoga. The owner is uh, Tony. Nice. Um, anyone check him out? He's a great, great guy, yeah. great studio. Um, so while I was in Homestead, 
actually participated in the first yoga teacher trainer um, to get my uh, two hundred hour RYT, which is yoga um, um, teacher trainer. Um, so the one thing I will say when it comes to yoga, so many people have a misperception of what yoga means. Yeah, most people think you're just stretching all day. Exactly. Yeah. You know, which has its and, benefits. It's great, but you know, that that is one aspect of it. Yeah. But um, in yoga, there are the eight limbs. So asana, which is the postures or the poses. That's the third limb. But so many people think yoga is only stretching, which it does have uh, benefits in that aspect so that clearly a lot of us have so much um, blocked energy, back problems, knee problems because we don't stretch enough. So it does help that aspect of, of the body, but there are different limbs that go into it. It's funny because anytime I speak to people about yoga, they think it's only stretching and they don't know the philosophy behind it. And even what yoga means, yoga, um, means to yoke um, or means union. So pretty much what yoga really is, is the union of the individual soul with the universal spirit. So it's literally, it's, it's to be one with, is to join, to emerge, to, uh, to Come in union. contact, yeah. You know, so um, I say that because people think yoga is only stretching. It's like, and, I, and to, to, to bring it, to make it short, people yoga, Stretching the asanas is ultimately so that you can sit still, so that the body isn't bothering you, so that you can go within and realize God within. So um, if you want to, let's go to the Bible where it says, uh, Psalms 46.10, where it says, be still and know that I am God. So what yoga wow. does is help you still the body and still the mind so that you can realize God is within. As Again, if you listen... I know we're going a different um, area here, but even ultimately what they say is kingdom of God is within you. Yeah, the so temple. You, exactly. So they're teaching you that to still the body and the mind so that you can go within and realize the kingdom within. So, um, and it's funny because I'll, I'll just touch on this really quick. When it comes to, uh, uh, again, asanas is the third limb. So eight, yoga has eight limbs. So there's uh, yamas and niyamas. So yamas are more, um, uh, let's say, uh, external um, or societal, uh, if you want to say restraints or kind of, I don't want to say taboos, but observances. So ahimsa, which is non-harming. So of course Gandhi, Martin Luther King, that's what they, the principle that they follow, follow is like Or even the giants where they're sweeping the ants from in front of their feet and whatnot, yeah. You know, it's funny because I heard a uh, story about a monk who uh, he practiced, he was so um, dedicated to ahimsa, non-harming that even fruit, he wouldn't take a fruit off of the tree because he considered that harming the tree. Mm -hmm. So he would let the fruit fall, fall. and then eat the fruit that way. Yeah. I'm like, man, you know. Yeah. Um, but ahimsa is not harming. Asteya is uh, non-stealing. Satya is truthfulness. Brahmacharya is not necessarily chastity, but uh, control or the right use of sexual energies. And then uh, aparigriha is uh, non-greed or non-grasping. And those are the yamas. So there's five yamas, and then there's five niyamas, which are more personal um, observances. So there's um, saucha, which is uh, purity or cleanliness, santosa, which is contentment, uh, tapas, which is austerity or discipline, uh, svadhyaya, which is self-study as well as study of sacred texts, and then there's isvara panihada, which is devotion or surrender to a higher power. Wow. So if you can look at it, in that way, you can look at it as like these are the Ten Commandments, if you want to say it. Just, yeah. They just say that. But 
these are the external and internal observances that you, let's say, master or you observe prior to even getting to the um, which is the third. The poses, yeah. Exactly. And then after that, the fourth is uh, pranayama, which is breath control. Then there's prachata, which is uh, withdrawal of the senses, so turning inwards. Um, then there's uh, dharna, which is um, concentration. Then there's dhyana, which is meditation. That's really uh, meditation and or contemplation. And then there's samadhi, which is absorption into the all, into God, into the source. So those are the eight limbs of yoga. So I say this for a reason is because so many people, when I mention any of these aspects of yoga, everyone's like, I thought yoga was just stretching. I'm kind of blown away right now because <laughs> what I'm seeing is I'm seeing that preparation stage, like with the yamas and niyamas. Then that's just to be able to get into the pose of these sacred stances, right, right. that are making us realize how divine we are. Right. And what's really interesting is the incorporation of the animals, kind of right. like with Ifa, where the original priests of Ifa or the original, you know, archetypes were animals, right? And then just seeing more negation toward reality right. you know but in in a constructive sense like uh, controlling the senses focusing more on us and then the last stage is bringing all that within that's 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 crazy right. have you met anybody who's gone through the eighth stage uh i haven't i guess i i was initiated into a uh into a kriya shambhavi mahamudra kriya from uh sadguru and uh isha so it's um sadguru the guy who's on youtube yes um let's talk about him he, um, I, I, I got initiated into um, uh, the Shambhavi, and he has an institute in, um, not Nashville, um, Mensville, Tennessee. It's called III, Isha Institute for Inner Engineering. Um, and all I can say is uh, it's just a... I feel that I don't know when it comes to I'll say this Alan Cohen he has a quote that says great masters neither want nor need your worship the greatest gift to them and to yourself is to emulate the divinity by claiming it as your own so to me he and other great masters are ones who have realized that even his name Sadguru means the inner guru so he's realized that, oh, all that I am is who you are. I'm just in a temporary role as a teacher or a guide or a mentor for you to realize that, oh, we're all one, that we're all the same consciousness, the same being. I just so happen to get here a little before you. Incredible. <laughs> Explain to me the son of L concept. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you'd go there, man. I have to. Uh, it's funny because uh, there's a few people who uh, um, I, I've said my name like Son of L to them, and they just kind of in a, in a fun, in just in a joking way, but they they kind of like ran with it. It's also funny because my name is Ellie, E L I E, and it's derived from El Eli, of course, um, uh, which means uh, God is my candle or God is my light. Um, God is great. Um, and just the aspects that are connected to the light in itself. So there are times where growing up forever, people will call me either Eli. Um, but at one point in time, even though my name is spelled E-L-I-E, -E, people will call me like L, 
Yeah. And I was just like, wow, you know. So I just kind of like, all right, I understand even when it comes to Spanish, um, El means the or God. So for me, calling myself son of El, as we all are, or uh, son of God, um, it was just something that I just, it just resonated with me. As well as uh, even when we think about angels, so angel, mm-hmm. out of the name of the names of, of angels end in El. So Zadkiel, Raphael, Uriel, yeah. uh, Mikael, Gabriel, mm-hmm. Ariel. So that L is whatever aspect of God that they are. Yeah. Strength of God, power of God, wisdom of God, love of God. He who is like God, but L is God or the. So me calling myself son of L is just calling myself son of God. And understanding that and just embodying it. Recognizing like, hey, clearly every one of us is the one begotten son. But just me... Um, also, my name's Ellie as well. Yeah. Just like, hey, son of L. No, it works. And then you look, because even, you know, uh, our Moorish brothers, they add L to their name yeah. sometimes. Or you look at, like, with Ifa, Elah, yes. or even with Christianity, like, old school, like Elohim. And, you know, just you see yeah. that prefix quite often. So you, you definitely have something there as you now start building up your presence once more and you're following. What, okay. what is next uh, for you, Mr. L? Oh, man. Honestly, I'm at a place now where I'm kind of... Uh, like you said, it, it is um, finding that next step. Uh, one thing I will say, like these conversations, anyone that knows me knows that um, all I think about, all I talk about is spirituality. Yeah. Whether it be um, Ifa, yoga, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, the law of one, um, just just spirituality um, as a whole. Because there's a, there's a verse um, or from the Rig Veda that says, uh, truth is one. The wise call it by many names. So understanding that there is one truth, and it, it, it's it's to me it's a little offensive if you want to say that to limit God or source yeah, or the no. divine. Yeah. You know, um, Allah, Odamari, Bonjie, Gamet. You know, same guy. You know, exactly. Same same, same energy. Exactly. You said. know, um, and that and that's one thing that um, that I, I feel that for me where. Um, Anyone that knows me, this is all I talk about, just because it's us realizing ourselves as that one, which is we are the one who has projected or extended itself into this sphere or this uh, dimension to realize itself again, where, again, we uh, sometimes, uh, I have a friend who we talk a lot, and she believes, let's say, everything that I believe, but her father was Muslim. Um, So for her, though she has this but she can't bring herself to the place of same god so it's, it's a different doctrine you yeah. know so even that in itself where it's just realizing that like and when people say it um it's not saying that like oh, i'm god I'm we're not almighty powerful, we, yeah you know but it's saying that like hey i, I am divine ex- exactly you know I, I i am sovereign i am divine like the divinity of the creator is within this one as well you know so and it's funny because not to go there about this is my, my, my last thing where there's times where I speak to um, let's say Christians and I always ask them about heaven and I was like where is heaven you know just kind of like sometimes it's being a little bit of an asshole yeah. um, <laughs> sometimes it's just kind of to see where they are yeah. in their understanding of it so people always think like heaven is out there or not and if you look at the teaching where you know Christ even says that uh, when they ask where is heaven it's like it's neither here nor there it's hey the kingdom of God is within you so ultimately, going yes. back to yoga, going back to everything, um, is that like realizing that, oh, the divinity is within you. 
you know. So um, whatever name you want to call that source, yeah. um, the essence of, of life, life is here, you know. So um, pretty much what's next for me is that it's just um, I, I'm actually not on social media. I've been off for a while and it was more so for a kind of like a detox, kind of like a uh, quote unquote, finding myself again. Anyone who hasn't seen me for a while, you realize like last time they saw me, I probably didn't have this beer. Yeah. I probably didn't have the locks. Um, the locks is a funny story as well. I'm sure. Um, but just that, just as far as like the self-discovery, the embodiment of that, and now to, uh, to, to go out and just to be of service, you know, ultimately, um, we're here to choose to service to self. If you want to say the negative path or service to others. Where it's is the if you want to say the positive fast and just um to uh to do uh, what we came here to do, you know, to help bring about the good condition, heaven on earth. I really think this conversation is gonna inspire quite a few. Um, simply because you really have been a student of the spirit and um it's definitely not a moment wasted, you know, when you've experienced so many different things so many different aspects of the experience and to finally be at a place of, you know, encounter, you know, just to be, it's, it's like, it's not that we're, we ever, I think we do find ourselves, but just to be able to be in front of ourselves and have the, the opportunity to really interact with who we really are, you know, energetically, emotionally, um, that's as gratifying as it gets. And I, I think that's what heaven really is, is finding oneself and finding others that resonate with that, you know, can't say thank you enough um for all of those who are intrigued by the conversation as much <laughs> as we were um l's contact information will be provided um so you can get in contact with him you know for some of the uh business things he has going on as well as um you know any uh self-help or any any way that you know, he could be of service as he has been uh, definitely get in contact with him great individual to be in contact with um, another thing I'd like to mention before we get into shouting out our members is um, this episode was sponsored by uh, Miss Boroye, Miss Erica, the spiritual realtor. Um, please get in contact with her for any questions you have about the market or any goals that you have within real estate. Um, let's go ahead and put on those headphones and hear that elevator music <laughs> to shout out fabulous members and if you're not a part of the membership program get in there and if you are let somebody know about it oh phil these headphones this time good lord uh-oh well this is going to be short because erica didn't send it to me well <laughs> shout out to all the members so shout out let's just do this anyway absolutely oh, wrong one wrong one wrong one wrong one that's <laughs> back there hold on look at you up here <laughs> all right so let's let's go with this one there we go nice <laughs> all right guys so if you are not a member of the our roots podcast team we have three separate tiers for you um all with different content that's available for each individual who joins those different tiers and we've been doing this uh what about since march maybe something to that effect yeah yeah since march and it's been very successful. I mean, we have a VIP level. We have private, um, private chats, private live shows that you go pretty deep in. And I've been cutting some of those clips to give you guys a taste. Yeah, a lot of shorts have come from there, and apart from that, you know, a lot of exclusive material in there to learn about Ifa or have more access to us. Definitely a lot of value that we're providing, and you know, most importantly, being able to interact with our favorite people, which is you guys. Yes, yes. So, don't have a list this. Week. 
Um, well, shout out to everybody. Shout and out to and everyone. until next time, member or not, see the light.